And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleicher, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today, as always, on Monday, my good friend, Michele Barra. Michele, what's up? Hey, it's Monday, and we are 40-something days away from the NBA season. 50-something, I don't know. That seems unreasonable to me. It seems absolutely unreasonable uh, to think that we're going to have basketball here again that soon. But nevertheless, it is exciting because I think that it also means that the closer we get to that day, the closer we are to having some transaction stuff to uh-huh. break down. Uh, Shamsharania had a piece today in The Athletic. It's his inside pass with Shams. Uh-huh. And he kind of goes through all the scuttlebutt that he has and just airs it out there on The Athletic. So you can go to theathletic.com and get The Athletic for half price right now. So I actually gave away five um, 30-day passes today on Twitter. But if you missed out on that, go to theathletic.com slash down to dunk and you get it for 50% off. So... It's a great deal, That's insane. and you can have you can get this for free. Um, not for free, but you get this for fifty percent off. You can listen to our podcast ad free. Uh, lots of great benefits, and if you like multiple sports, it's just like a no brainer to to have it to have access to it, just because the the reporting is second to none, and I can confidently say that. <laughs> With, yeah, and even the if you don't state like of the of media, yeah, yeah, and if even if you don't like a sport today, I mean, uh, I got into NFL like the weeds of the NFL mainly because yeah. I was able to read stuff on the Athletic. I mean, I yep. won't tell the team that I support because it's uh, kind of hated in OKC for various reasons. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, I you know that I'm a number guy, and mm-hmm. and I mean. I, I I had like no knowledge of the NFL whatsoever, and in a span of a season and a half, now I'm all into uh, ex- uh, like uh, all the advanced metrics that they have, uh, mm-hmm. pressure, quarter qu- pressures, and stuff like that. I mean, it's uh, EPA and whatnot. It's and it's all thanks to some some great writer that the Athletic has. So yeah, go check it out. It's worth your time. So one of the the biggest thing is Ben Simmons, and it's something that we're all waiting on. We're all waiting to see what they're going to do with Ben. It feels like he's not going to play for the Sixers, and I'll even I'll even go in and say I don't think he's going to play for the Sixers at all. Hmm. Whether that be he gets traded before the season, which I think is likely, or he just refuses to show up. You know, I think that that's probably on the table. Mm-hmm. as well uh so as of now minnesota and toronto are the two teams that have been trying to get ben which is just like funny like toronto is trying to build a team of only guys who dribble and defend and pass and have trouble with their shot like that's and r69 and above yeah and r69 yeah that's what they that's the team they want and Ben Simmons would fit that uh, to a T. Now, the problem is, for both Minnesota and Toronto, what can they give back to the to the Sixers that make the Sixers a title favorite or even a contender? You know, the the package that Minnesota has to offer is not going to get them there. Like Beasley, McDaniels, uh, D'Angelo Russell, like that's not going to get you there. That's mm-hmm. not going to take you to the promised land. I mean, I don't. I mean, D'Angelo Russell, if he's your second best player or third best player, you're just not going that far. Uh, so they're obviously waiting on on Dame. Uh, 
Yeah. And I think they I think they're and I they should be patient. They should be patient. The Sixers should. Because if Dame becomes available, then you offer Ben and you offer any amount of picks possible to pair Dame yeah. with Joel Embiid. And then and we talk a lot about how there's not many teams in the league that are going to be in the West that are for sure going to be in the lottery. Now, mm-hmm. if they get Ben Simmons, I don't think they'll be in the lottery, or at least they, they could still compete for the play-in. That's certainly possible, but we could see a Rockets-like transformation for the Blazers if they do indeed trade Dame, but that's all theoretical at this point. Yeah, and I'm I'm not even sure that a team like, uh, like Portland will want Ben Simmons in a little trade. This is not what yeah. I would go after. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the teams like Minnesota and teams like Toronto are right in, to be in the pursuit of a guy mm-hmm. like Simmons because I think that the Sixers will need them in order to get a 1A type of guy. Um, yeah. Because if they want Lillard, I mean, if you're Portland and you give away Lillard, the, the thing that you want is probably five first-rounders. And 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 if you're the Sixers, I mean, you cannot give all that amount an unprotected first round. You can give swaps, but I think that like five real unprotected first rounders is a is a good ask for for the yeah. which I value probably a little bit more than than James Harden as of today. Hmm. And so, hmm. yeah, why is that? Because I think he's little... a better leader. And yeah. okay. as an, uh, as efficient in terms of scoring and yeah. as bad defensively. <laughs> Just so, as bad defensively. <laughs> I mean, if you want True. a high charter, charter guy to pair with Embiid, I think that there is no one better than Lillard. And I, I don't know how yeah. the like the hierarchy will work there, but I'm sure that like uh, Lillard could make it work. And they yeah. would be perfect together. And so to me it's uh it's the perfect pairing and it's uh, worth the waiting if the price is the same like and i think that uh like you can send ben simmons for like little return in terms of player to minnesota just to make the salary work and mm-hmm. two first rounders two three first rounders if their returns is bad in terms of uh, players and you can add a few first rounders and send everything to portland and that will work yeah yeah, that's probably true. And I'm sure, to me, if if it is going to involve the Raptors or Minnesota, it's just going to have to be a three-team trade that yeah. involves Blazers, Sixers, Raptors. I think something could get done there. Um, I don't really you know, know the, why the, the, the Raptors want Ben Simmons, but anyway. I don't, I don't know. I don't know either. I would rather just roll with what they've got but if yeah. they it's probably just a signal that they'd like to stay young and competitive yeah and you if know? you trade pascal for ben then that is okay but i don't know like it's almost the spider-man meme like where you just basically are trading two guys that have the same issues and probably one ben simmons is better than the other so for, for yeah. philadelphia it doesn't make any sense I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't see it being Pascal just mm-hmm. because of his age. Like, maybe it's OG and like Goran Dragic's contract to get you there. You know, then yeah. like all the picks go to the Blazers. And then the Raptors end up with Ben and the Sixers end up with Dame. You know, yeah. something like that, I think would make sense. Um, yeah. Goran is a nice player to add to the to the Sixers. It would make extreme sense we with Embiid. It would be very good. And even OG. But as you yeah. mentioned, I mean, if this is well, the I'm only saying, way. Well, I'm saying in a, in a three-team deal. Where no, OG no, I understand, but I Blazers. was thinking, yeah. yes, 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 I get that. I was thinking, well, maybe that package works as well for Philadelphia. And technically, oh. it works. I mean, you, you can... You can Probably play a lineup with Dragic, uh, Anunobi, um, 
Embiid and and Harris yeah. and mm-hmm. whoever as your fifth starter. But that doesn't yeah. move the needle, the needle as much as you need. I mean, Brooklyn no. is very, very tough. And you really yeah. need a superstar. You have to have Dame. Yeah. I, Dame I or, or Bradley Beal. It's got to be Dame. Yeah. I mean, I'd just rather wait for Dame than even Beal. Sure. Sure. No, I agree. I agree 100%. So yeah, Are you I mean, hundred percent positive that he will become available. Dame, he, I mean, yes, I'm pretty confident. Yes, mm. I'm pretty confident that he will. Uh, and the thing with Dragic, Dragic can't be traded until October fifth. So yeah. sixty days or two months has to pass in order for them to be able to trade Dragic, um, to aggregate him with somebody else. So they couldn't trade. Dragic and an OB today. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's something they've talked about. Or they've talked about Dragic to Dallas or, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, but having that Dragic money helps the Raptors quite a bit because then you can yeah. just hang on to everybody else. Yeah. And you don't have to worry. Like you can keep Pascal, you can keep Fred, you can keep all those guys. You know, if you want to keep Chris Boucher who's making seven mil. Like it's not like he's making a ton, but it's just nice to have that salary to match in a trade. Uh, so I think, I mean, it's, I, I think something like that makes sense for everybody, uh, especially if the Raptors do want in on Ben Simmons. I think it makes, makes way more sense for the Timberwolves to be in on Ben mm-hmm. because they need to do something. Like they've got to do something to change up the roster that they have today. And so I like that for them. Um, but for the Raptors, it is a little confusing, but it also fits the mold of, you know, they, they took Scotty Barnes because of this reason. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe you're just like the best defensive team in the league, you know, down the road. And yeah. you just hope that somebody figures it out, you know, offensively as a primary guy. That so. is, that is a tall task though. It's a tall task. It is. It and is. I don't remember if we discussed it on the pod or we just text about it, but I, I would really want to see Ben Simmons in, in Sacramento because I, I think yeah. that it makes total sense in terms of personnel, mm-hmm. in terms of what, um, what they can put on the table. Um, depending on how confident they are in the Aaron Fox and or Therese Ali Burton, I mean, mm-hmm. I would be open for a Fox for Simmons trade. No question. We'd probably no question. a couple of firsts from Sacramento or just one first, one good first and maybe a young player because that makes, probably again, it doesn't make Philadelphia the best team in the, in the East. Yeah. But also it doesn't take too much from the assets uh, that they have because they can trade their future first and the Aaron Fox is probably as good as an asset, especially if you blossom alongside Embiid. You probably have another asset, young asset, in your team. And and maybe mm-hmm. if they work out together, maybe you are um, a very good team. Maybe maybe better than anticipated. I don't know. I I, I think that that makes sense uh, for both teams. Yeah. But again, maybe they are too attached to their own players to pull a trade like that. Yeah, I could see, I could see it being hard for that to happen, but I think it does make a lot of sense because the the Sixers do need a primary ball handler, mm-hmm. and Fox is still twenty three, man. Yeah, like he's still so young and has a lot of room to grow, and just like frankly, get him out of Sacramento. <laughs> yeah, you know, get him into a better environment. You put him and Joel Embiid together. I mean, that's a, a deadly combo. And Fox has got to improve his shooting, but you have the, I mean, the the amount of gravitational pull that Joel Embiid has would open up the lane for Fox like crazy. You know, something yeah. he's never seen before. Now, now that I remember, I, I think I put it on Twitter and I got a lot of people saying that I'm mad. Now I'm probably drunk, according to Hoop69 on the chat. Um, I just, I... I just wouldn't, it's not a very 
difficult opinion to to have to to say that Simmons is better than Fox. I mean, he was All NBA. Fox was never near that that kind of player. And yeah. we never so, saw the Aaron Fox in the, the postseason too, though. But yeah. we never saw the Aaron Fox in the postseason. I mean, I, I I argue that you can go behind and pick and roll to the Aaron Fox and just just take a nap and he won't do anything. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. can employ the same scheme. It's just a different kind of player. And defensively, there, there is like a wide margin between them. Hey, like, Michele, you can anchor. You keep going. I've got to take a phone call real quick. You keep going. Yeah. So I agree that it seems stupid and, and probably worth of uh, you are drunk, Mickey. But if you go back and look at the numbers and you go back and, 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 and watch Fox and, and other guys in Sacramento, um, there is a there's a stark difference in the things that Ben Simmons does at an elite level. And like, I can ask you right now, what is this Fox does that he's elite? He's very fast. He's not efficient in pick and roll. He's not efficient period. He does not play defense. He can create, but I mean, he's not a top guy in terms of creation from the dribble. And so uh, Ben Simmons is an elite rebounder for the position is an elite defender period in the NBA, worthy of top 10 every single year. And he is an issue uh, in the playoffs because of the guys that he has around. Um, mainly because he plays in the same positions offensively. He's, it's, not, it, it's not that he plays in the same position. It's that he's efficient in the same positions where Embiid is. And that is a very, very um, difficult thing to do. So... What I what I have in mind is, well, you put Simmons alongside Therese Aliburton and a couple of other guys that can dribble and shoot, and it it changes the equation dramatically. Um, Sacramento is not the best thing; it's not the best team to put any player on. But I mean, if you surround Simmons with elite talent in terms of shooting, I think that he he can be your Swiss Army knife that can glue everything together and make everyone else better. I don't see that in the Aaron Fox. I see that the Aaron can succeed in a very specific environment. Example, uh, in Philadelphia, because he had he could have one of the elite pick and roll player and or elite big man in the league, and he can feed him. So whatever worked with with John Holmes will work ten thousand times better with Joel Embiid. But again, this opinion that Simmons is better or worse. And Aaron Fox, um, it's it's not a done deal uh, on a lot. I think a lot of uh, NBA smart guys. Um, it's not just me, and it's not definitely not just me today being drunk at. Well, this is probably a good time to be drunk, like 9 p.m. in the evening. That that would be almost okay. Um, but yeah, I mean. Um, now that you are waiting that Andrew returns, if you have any comment on that, I'll try to read that out loud so that we can keep going with the podcast. Um, so basically, Hoop69, Hoopstock69 said that I'm drunk to, su- to suggest that Fox uh, for Simon Swap plus a first and now is arguing. Simon is a little better version of Draymond. You don't trade that for Fox and a first and a young player. The young player to me as like basically filler uh, was not like a player of high value. Um, but Yes, if I am the Sixers, um, uh, well, if I am a team that wants to be extremely better next year, I would absolutely trade uh, De'Aaron Fox for a younger version of Draymond Green. Like, no doubts in my mind. Um, he, uh, those kind of players, the Draymond Green kind of players, will make good teams incredible. And if you want, if you have, if you think that what you have in Sacramento, which is a big if, is ready for like something else to move forward, then a guy like that makes absolute sense. Especially if he's if he's on the same timeline uh, of um, of your core. And also, this is why. And thank you, James Anderson. Um, uh, that is why Minnesota should try a trade like that because that is the piece that they miss. And finally, since Andrew is is back. Um, oops, talk 69 again. If you're if you're a QC, do you trade SGA and a first for Simmons? No, absolutely not. And now that we are in, the, in we are talking about SGA, 
I don't really th see SJ being in the same tier of the Aaron Fox. It's not even close. I think that yeah. SGA has All-NBA potential. I don't think that Fox yeah. has. And so, no, I wouldn't. Uh, but that is simple to me. The Kings would make that trade because they, they've had no hope of being good. And they have lots of guards now. They have, I mean, I think they really believe in Halliburton. I think mm -hmm. they do love Davion. Mm -hmm. And you've got to get yourself out of this rut somehow. And... The, Let's just say the personality differences between De'Aaron Fox and SGA are like the margin is wide. Um, and the work ethic stuff, the margin is wide. And the situational issues that the Kings have, uh, I think it is really hard for, I think it's hard for players to overcome and become elite players in Sacramento. And if you already have Ben Simmons, who is an all-NBA caliber defender and has shown the ability to be an all-NBA player, like he's already done that, and he's already shown that ability. So I would do that. And, and also we have to recognize that Ben Simmons' value and the way he's perceived around the league is perhaps lower than it will ever be. Mm -hmm. And as a viewer and a NBA, somebody that follows the NBA, like you have to recognize that too. Uh, so I do think that he would benefit. And also this, the fit with Simmons and Embiid has never been good. Like it's never been a good yeah. pairing. It's an, been an awkward pairing since the beginning. And they had hoped that it would, that would change. It never did change. They just made it work because they're both elite players. Um, and so putting him next to a guy like Tyrese and putting him around shooting if Buddy Heald stays, mm -hmm. things could unlock for Ben. Yeah. Um, you may have said all this already. but No, we're I, close to that uh, without mentioning yeah. the, uh, the actual players. But, uh, but yeah, that is, that is exactly what I have in mind. Uh, the, co the, the comment that I, I, I think is through by Grape Ape is... But Sacramento is still missing a real number one guy, especially if they trade Fox. Well, I already said that to me, Fox is not nowhere near being a tier one player, so they, they don't have mm -hmm. today, and they get a better one um, for cheap. And yeah. and yeah, probably that raises their ceiling a little bit, and so it's tougher for them to get a number one guy. Uh, so that is a good, I would say. But, but they are still trying to win anyway. They're just bad yeah. at it. It's not yeah. that they are tanking. So, yeah, they're not. I don't know. Yeah, the, yeah, I agree that it may not get them out of the rut, but standing Pat's not getting them out of the rut either. Yeah, and maybe they resuscitate in some in, like they, they rejuvenate Ben Simmons, and he's way better. And that is the way in which you get better. I don't. Again, I don't see Fox bringing you your number one guy. Uh, I I see Fox getting yeah. you Ben Simmons uh, probably. Uh, but but you know. Uh, it's uh, it's also the the perception of Philadelphia. If they feel that like they can get more than Fox, then it's uh, it's a, that deal is a non-starter for Philly, not for Sacramento. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I still think the pl the the plan is Dame. Yeah, and so Fox is a massive downgrade from Dame. Oh, massive. Yeah, yeah. like they're on yeah. different planets. Yes. So, speaking of that. Uh, before we actually get to our main topic of the day, which is ranking the guards in the Western Conference and trying to figure out where SGA fits in the pecking order, not pecking order, but just in the order of best players in the, in the West, um, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll, uh, we'll start with the best guards in the West. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back from that quick break. Uh, McKelly, let's talk through maybe just like our top five first. Who do you, who do you have in your top five guards in the Western Conference? Hmm. Um, top five. Top five is not where Shea is as of today. Yeah. And I think yeah, that agreed. top five is also where Shea is extremely unlikely to be by the end of the season. And the way in which I'm thinking this ranking is not who will be the best player over the next five season or over the past five season, including the next one, whatever. I'm strictly thinking you need to have a guard for next year only and you have to factor everything into your decision playing time Mm -hmm. everything um and to me even factoring all that i don't see shea being in the top fives of today and probably top four absolutely not uh for like i see curry Doncic, lillard and don and devin booker there yeah i don't know i i I still struggle with the phoenix guards to me are four and five five and four whatever um chris paul and devin booker there so Mm -hmm. i don't see shay jumping them maybe chris paul yeah my five i have steph number one dame number two luca three Mm -hmm. chris paul four Mm mm-hmm and then Donovan Mitchell five. Oh, okay. That's my five. Okay. That's Why are you giving me that I, the I to begin with? Uh, Luca, Luca, um, after Dane. Yeah, I think that Luca is up for uh, in, for an insane season. Y- yeah, yeah. I mean, it was splitting hairs. Yeah, you know, between those two, and. Basically, it's if I'm trying to win the title next year, I might rather have Dame. But it's, like, so close. Yes. Oh, I agree. Um, it's incredibly close. Those top three, it's, like, I, the top three, we could go, like, full tiers. Like, they're all tier one. Like, where's, who's my tier one? I don't it's think so. Three. I have Curry in a separate tier. I really think that's... By himself? Is, yes. I really think that Steph is the best, and there is a... Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I have him number one. He's a trans. He's a player that can transform a playoff yeah. run by himself. Yeah, maybe I'm overreacting to his past success, and I'm I'm, I'm selling Luca short. Um, what he's doing in international FIBA and and also like in general in the NBA, it's mm-hmm. it's just insane. And next season he could very well take regular season into a different year and just being like a complete force in the playoffs we don't know yeah so and i see Lillard as a firm third i think that after him there is a steep steep step because mm-hmm. chris paul and 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 booker or chris paul and donovan mitchell are very good players but not as good as those yeah yeah, I kind of, I mean, my next three are Chris Paul, Mitchell, Booker. Okay. And you can quibble with the order that I have, you know, whether you think that Booker's better than Mitchell or that, you know, Chris Paul should be behind both of them. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to fight on any of those issues because no. I don't think that they're that far off either. I just think what Chris Paul has done from an intangible standpoint, for, I mean, that we forget like how dire that situation felt with Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, what are they? I mean, it feels similar to, it's not dissimilar to how like Minnesota feels now. Yes. Or, you know, where it's just like, man, like it's been a long time. Yeah. It's been a long time having cat here and doesn't feel like anything's going to turn around. Yeah. And it felt the same 
to a degree. Now they had the eight game, you know, stretch in the bubble where they won all their games, and then they got to take that to the Chris Paul team where they blew up and eventually became a great team. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I don't, I don't know the situation. They needed something like Chris Paul to unlock everything. <coughs> they went to the finals, and they may yeah. have made the play in without Chris. Like that's totally possible that they make the play-in without Chris. Because Booker did take a massive leap on both ends last year. And Aiden uh, did. Especially, and Aiden did as well. Aiden was incredible Yeah, last year. Now, the Minnesota needs a, a big jump from somebody else. They don't even have a guard that I would consider on this list at all. Um, but they need a jump from somebody. So, But I just think the intangible stuff with Chris is just, you know, that's... It's one of the big reasons why they jump. So I would have him above them. And then like Mitchell and Booker are both just incredible scoring guards. They mean a lot to their teams. They contribute on both ends. Uh, I just think they're both incredible. Yeah, um, I, I completely agree. And, and I have Mitchell number six. So it's not that we're having very different players in our top six uh, yeah we didn't discuss this prior to the pod by the way I no no no, no, no. But i don't it, think we meant to have the same six but i know that it's boring but but me and andrew see the game in a very similar way so i mean yeah. it's it's probably because of that and you know i really think that one of the reasons why and this is a very good thing uh, to discuss since we are talking shay um i think that the the way in which both Chris Paul and, and, and Booker leveraged their mid-range in close game situation and generally in late game situation is yeah. one of the reasons why Phoenix had that kind of season. Because when you... There was an article, I don't remember if it was set... It was probably set part now. Um, it was discussing the fact that when you have a very low variance shot, which is Chris Paul from two points, uh, mm. then... Um, that shot becomes extremely valuable in late game situation because you can rely mm-hmm. on that and the variance of it, of it is is lower. It's basically you have two possessions. If you take a three, then you have a chance that you get zero. If you have a very low variance shot like Chris Paul, you get two points. That is a massive difference. That is, of course, over the course of a game, an entire game or a season, that that really doesn't have the same effect. You will see that a Chris Paul two-pointer is less valuable than a three. But when you, when you have a finite number of possessions and the game is tied, then that having that kind of low-variance weapon is extremely important. And Shea has that. The reason why OKC was so bad in terms of net rating, but was so good in terms of results, is probably a little bit of, bit of luck. But the fact that they had an efficient creator in late-game situations. Like, this is something that alone is worth a lot. Mm-hmm. And I can't decide if I want to put Shea at 7 or 8, but I think he's there. Uh, and I think that by the end of the season, we could see, we could say, someone would say, well, maybe Shea is better than Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. I think it's not yeah. impossible. Yeah, I, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a total possibility there. We've just, I've just seen Mitchell do it. Mm-hmm. Um, on the big stage. And SGA, the last time he had that opportunity was with this Thunder team against Houston, and he didn't play very well. You know, that's that's the only missing piece from Shea, is like, let's see him do it. I want to push against know, that. In the playoffs. Go ahead. Yeah, I really think that um, he had not an exciting series against the Rockets, but he still had yeah. a very efficient one. And he was not in the best situation to to succeed. The team was not, like, rotating around him. He had no one to attack in pick and roll, which is something that, especially because there were non-shooters on the court. And so I I argue that that was the worst possible um, team that he could face. If you think about John Moran, that he had an amazing... Uh, run against Golden State, that was one of the perfect teams to, 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 to feast on because they don't have point of attack defense in pick and roll. Like, mm-hmm. that, that is a massive difference. And also, he had all 
all the time the ball in his hands. That was not Shea's team. And so I really want to see him leading a team and he will he won't probably next season. So he wouldn't have that chance, not because of him, but yeah. because of the other guys that they have around. A couple of yeah. very easy to find stats that I think are extremely important. I just filter Western Conference Guard more than twenty games and usage more than twenty percent. Which is mm-hmm. league like lead guards. Um yeah. true shooting. Shea is number guess that please two 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 yeah. curry 65.5 uh mm-hmm. shea 62.3 um mm-hmm. effective field goal two 60.5 this curry 55.1 yeah. that is shea gilgus alexander like yeah. guys like um if you rank in terms of true shooting for example I mean, that, like guys like Booker or Mitchell, those are far behind. Like Mitchell is not even in the top fifteen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. And and I'm I'm fully aware of that. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that any time the Jazz have been in the in a playoff series. Oh yeah. Like it's Donovan Mitchell's stamp is on the series. Sure. And there's something to that. And we haven't. I'm just. I'm not saying Shea doesn't have that in him, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not saying he was horrible. He wasn't horrible against the Rockets. It's just that he didn't put his stamp on that series. Oh sure, like he just didn't. Oh sure, he didn't defend well. They were attacking. They were attacking yes, him. That is true. And that was a that was a huge huge problem with, with what was going on with the Thunder in that series. Had he played to his capabilities on both ends, I think the Thunder win that series. Like I really do. Yeah. But and it's not like saying that. Like the sixteen five and four that he averaged in the series is bad. Like it wasn't bad. It was just that there was some stuff left on the table, and yeah. so we just need to see more from him. And and in the West, I mean, I full disclosure, I have SGA seventh on my list, mm-hmm. and it was between he and Jaw mm-hmm. that I'm trying to figure out like which do I think is better. Like Shea has him in almost every category. Yeah. You know, points like if you just go counting stats alone, like the like Jaws better at assists is the only he has more assists, mm-hmm. seven point four to to five point nine, but all shooting splits favor SGA. Yeah, uh, efficiency is is through the roof for SGA. Yeah, and the versatility that SGA offers is more than Jaw. Mm-hmm. Um, and this isn't to like say that Jaw's not good. Jaw's a great player. But I think that I would rather have Shea. And also just like Ja relies on athleticism so much. And, you know, if we're talking about a lengthy career, you know, and one that is sustainable for 15 years or whatever, I would I would probably favor Shea because he just his shiftiness is what gets him where he's going and he just has an incredible shot making ability. That that John may get to, but he just hasn't gotten there yet. You know, he shot thirty percent from three on the season. I mean, it's a almost twelve percentage points difference between the two, yeah. where the three point shot matters way more today than it ever has. Yeah, that's and why so I'm so confused that you have him like eight. Who? Uh, ja. I think there is a case. Why have him eight? Yeah, I think there yeah. is a case to have Ross in between. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean Yeah. Tell me. <laughs> like Russ shot 29.5% from 3. What is the big difference between 29 and change to 30? Yeah, I I get it. And Ja had some rough stretches last year. Yeah. So did Russ. Memphis. But Russ, Russ at, the, at the end of the season was unbelievable for most part. Unbelievable. I mean, if you're if we're talking if we're just taking that sample mm-hmm. and cutting that out, what is he five on this list? Yeah, four. Yeah, no, I. I, will I mean, I'd have the, him and Chris Paul. No. I'd have him and Chris Paul side by side. Yeah, I had Chris. If if we're just talking about that stretch alone, no, no, no. But that's, then you. That's right. That's right. Give me the rest of the. Give me the rest of the pie, and it's like, oh, okay. Like he was maybe the most helpful point guard in the last stretch of the season, and maybe the most detrimental point guard in the first part of the season. Yeah. And so, like, I don't know. I don't know what he is. I don't know where he belongs here. But I would, 
put more trust in SGA and Jaw to start the season than I would for Westbrook to do that all year. Now, can Westbrook do it when it matters? Perhaps mm-hmm. he can. And he's not going to have to go all out again when he has LeBron and AD on his team. Mm-hmm. So where does he fit in? I think it's way easier to fit SGA into a team. Maybe maybe Jaw is – I mean, I have Jaw and, and Westbrook just like right there mm-hmm. together. So having Westbrook nine and Jaw eight, I mean, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. They're both very similar players. I mean, they're not – No. You know, they play similar style of basketball. Ja is a floater. Has ja, that and that's something yeah. that that he really that Westbrook needed, and Darnell Mayberry wrote about it early on in his career. Yeah, that this is something that Westbrook needs. Yeah, and never it just never happened for him, and it obviously didn't hinder him too much. He won the MVP for crying out loud, but um, it is something that would have taken him. Um, to a completely different level. But for Westbrook at this stage in his career, with all the miles and all like the surgeries and everything that he's had going on to still be a top 10 guard in the West when the West is still stacked, um, that's something, you know, that's something. And for him to return to the West, you know, after being in the East for a season, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's great. I think I think it's I think it makes sense to have him there, but I I don't know. There's growth to be had for John Morant. Yes, you know, and I don't I don't know. James Anderson says Ja wasn't efficient. Where does efficiency come in when determining how these guys rank? Ja was similar in efficiency to Anthony Edwards. I think it factors in mm-hmm. quite a bit. I would also factor in winning. Yeah, you know. Like Anthony Edwards putting up the stats that he did with the Minnesota Timberwolves, cool. Uh, it didn't translate to anything but having cool dunks and cool stats. Yeah, it was uh, not Morant efficient has and not correlated to winning. Ja was not efficient and he correlated to winning. Shea was very yes. efficient and he didn't correlate too much to winning. Exactly, exactly. Ja, ja wins games. Like he just flat out wins games. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that to me matters. To take that Memphis team... You know, these past two seasons, you know, they were 34 and 39 last season, 30, or were they 33 and 49 the season before. Like, that's, that's an accomplishment, man. Like, that's an accomplishment. No, 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 38 and 34, sorry, mm-hmm. last season, and then 33 and 39 the season before. Like, that's an accomplishment. Yeah. To finish above 500 for that Memphis team in the Western Conference, where the competition level is high, and Honestly, to get the season that they did from from Jaw, and then you factor in the season they got from Jaron Jackson Jr., mm-hmm. who played what did he play eleven games last year? Yeah, only twenty three minutes in those eleven games. I would have said, yeah, they're gonna be back in the lottery without Jaron, and they weren't. And some of that was the guys that stepped in played better than they thought they would. You know, Jonas was very good. Dylan Brooks was awesome. Kyle Anderson was nice. You know that's great, but like he was the engine. JJJ is supposed to be their guy. No, and, and Jaw was the engine guy. of everything. Now everything. Now everything. I want to go on the chat again because I think that there are guys that are worth mentioning, and I think that the, re- the reasoning behind um, them not, be, not being in the top five nor top ten is health. Uh, we're talking Clay Thompson. We're talking mm-hmm. uh, Jamal Murray. I mean, those players at the top of, the, of their skills are probably better than Shea, um, Shirley Clay, probably also Jamal. But yeah. you ha- what I said at the beginning was, I want a player for next season, next season only. And, and this is basically how you do All-NBA. You don't project too much into the future. You just stick with what you saw and you basically decide who you want and who is the best for you. Yeah. I think that there are so many questions about Clay, so many. And Jamal, Jamal may play 35 games, yeah. 20 games, yeah. for what we know. So I think that the season worth of Shea Gigas Alexander, who has like some sort of injury concerns, but not that, to that degree, sure. um, I think that you have to factor in. And, and again, I mean, to me, if like I like Jamal Murray, but he is, to me, kind of 
in the same ballpark and probably below Shea, even when healthy. I think he's far below Shea. I think that... Not far, no, but but below, yes. I, think he's, I don't see far, but I see below. I mean, not, not in number, but in skill set. I think he's pretty far below. Yeah. Like, I have him at 10. Yeah. Just because I think mm-hmm. that he comes back, Denver's a title contender, if he's back and he's, like, really back. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's... And I don't have Clay on my list at all. Clay's not playing until mm-hmm. Christmas or maybe after. I and we haven't seen him in so long. And the age stuff is a factor. You know, I feel way more confident about Jamal Murray coming back and what that looks like. Um and Jamal was having a great season last year. Had he stayed healthy and everything mm-hmm. I I think that you know, maybe maybe this is more of a conversation because you know he's twenty one points per game 40 percent from three on six attempts you know like that's significant he's almost 87 percent from the free throw line but the the fact that like his numbers are so low at the front free throw like three attempts per game I mean, that's not that doesn't cut it for me like if you want to be like a primary guy like three that's just ain't it you know like that's not that is not star level mm-hmm. stuff you know shea was six attempts last season yes and and he will probably improve up on that. Yeah, I expect that to be eight. I, I expect it to be eight plus, and that's yeah, like that's where you get in like the Trey Young area of like guards, where it's okay. Yes, I get. Listen, I get eight to ten points every night just because of how aggressive I am. Like that's what happens. Yeah, and then if my shot's falling, I'm gonna put up forty on you, and if it's not falling, yeah. I'm gonna score twenty five. You know, that's that's the way it goes every single night. That's what happened with Dur- like that's what stars do. That's that's what Durant did, just every single night. And he had, I don't remember what the streak was, but that he had you know thirty points so many games in a row, because it was just hey, I'm getting twelve points from the free throw line every night, and there's nothing, there's zero yes. things you can do about that. And that's that's something Jamal hasn't done at all. Yeah, you couldn't also stop his mid range jumper. That is another story. Uh, yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, and um, I fully expect, uh, maybe to close on Shea, uh, maybe you can go back to your list because you have an actual one. I, I just had something in my head. Um, uh, I really think that Shea, if he wants to take 20 shots per mm-hmm. game, he can definitely average oh. 27 or more. There's, I have zero questions about that. And if he does that by even even being a little bit less efficient, yeah, like staying in the 55, 50, 57 to fifty nine true shooting, which is below where he's at mm-hmm. by four points, then he would be definitely top six, top seven in the league. Yeah, I sorry in the Western Conference in the league probably around top ten slash twelve because the East have like a lot of good guards. There's a lot. Even great There's guards. There's a lot of good guards in the East. Yeah, I made actually a, a top 20 yeah. list um, for the whole mm-hmm. league. And we can talk through that here in a second uh, if we want to. But uh, last two in the West, I have I have De'Aaron Fox, 11, the guy that we discussed a lot earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, I And I think that he would be like this tier that exists even below all these guys. I think Jamal is like the end of this tier that probably starts with SGA, Ja, Westbrook, Jamal Murray is probably one mm-hmm. tier. And then, honestly, I just don't care that much who you put after those guys. They're all in probably, there's maybe a tier of like four or five guys that are next that are just like, mm-hmm. okay, they're young enough to where they could, you know, foreseeably like blow up a little bit here or there. But they're not, mm-hmm. these guys aren't changing anything for your franchise. Like they're your, Firmly, your second or third best guys like Darren Fox is probably at the top of that. Uh, I think Dejounte Murray deserves a mention, you know, as like an honorable mention in the West. If we're talking outside mm. of the top ten, mm. um, yeah, but it's like to me, there's no chances. Like hot take, there are more chances that Jalen Green in season one it looks closer to a number one guy than Jamal Murray will ever do. You mean DeJounte Murray? DeJounte Murray, yeah. sorry. Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, that is possible. That is totally possible. I thought about putting Jalen... He will not correlate to winning. Yeah, I thought about putting... Jaylen I Green. thought about putting Green on this... But I mean, I, actually, I really didn't. <laughs> Honestly, I really didn't. I, I need to see it. I need to see him do it. Yeah. And you, you just... The Summer League is not enough to, you know, get me to believe that it's, that it's real. And so, let's see it. You know, CJ McCollum is another guy that probably deserves mention on here. Um, yes. Then, like, who else is it? I mean, the guys, the guards for Minnesota uh, deserve, like, an honorable mention. Is Mike mention. Conley probably? Yeah, my, yeah, Mike Conley definitely deserves mention here, yes. I I almost for, completely forgot about him, to be honest, because he's, like, the most neutral name in the NBA, it feels like. Um, yeah, but he was good. He was I don't. Good know, last I don't year. know how to feel about Russell. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. Like, what do you do with D'Lo? What do you do with Anthony Edwards? Um, both entertaining players, but like, what do you do? Where Where do you put them on this list? Yeah. How do they? What are they doing to help you win games? Yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe you can put Fox McCullough, um then Conley in a tier yeah. that is not very below uh jamal moore is not uh, that far off and then you have all the other guys yeah. that either because they play elite defense or because they are very entertaining on offense they are just there yeah yeah that's probably right where it's fox mccollum conley in whatever order you prefer and then it's probably Dejounte murray delo anthony edwards Whoever else that you maybe believe in, go Dort, Dort sixteen, easy, uh, you know, Giddy, Josh Giddy at guard. Where are we put him because he's clearly just a guard. Um, yeah, yeah. No, what I was thinking, mm. like it's it's completely irrelevant for our exercise mm-hmm. here, but I really think that having a pass-heavy guard alongside Shea. Is not bad because I think that you can have Shea as your well, just give me a ball and I'll cook. And if you want to play like some team friendly basketball, let's do it. Then I'll get the ball and I'll do whatever I want, yeah. uh, kind of deal. And so I think that if Giddy is able to to get the shot to a non horrible percentage, mm-hmm. I think that that duo will make sense because Giddy will be an elite passer, no matter how many pick and rolls he'll run. And together with Shea, that he can that can pass the ball, but maybe it's more on the I will just cook side of things. Yeah. I mean, it's not a bad pairing. Uh, it's not a bad pairing at all. I, I mean, the, the if on the um, giddy shooting is a big one, but the fact that, that Shea can play alongside a pass-heavy guard, I think it's... Uh, it's a, something that will not hold him um, in, in any way. And so mm-hmm. actually he can, like oh, a very good passing guard, maybe can give him a couple of shots, easy shots per game, which is something that could be useful for Shea as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested to see what the Thunder look like this year. I assume just because of the age of the roster and the fact that they – the, I mean, don't underestimate the fact that they turned the, the slot that went to Al Horford, you know, last season, that went to Chris Paul the season before, that went, you know, like that's that's a significant slot that they just said, we're doing away with that slot. Like that that slot no longer exists. And so, I mean, you could argue that maybe Favors takes that slot just because you brought him in from nothing uh, but favors is and horford are very far off on the quality of player that they are and the kind of help they can provide mm-hmm. um and then other than that like they just have they're all young guys like every single player on the team is young um so i i, I don't think they're going to be good i think they could be fun i think they're going to play an exciting brand of basketball i think they all fit what Mark wants to do for the team, which I think is important. Uh, so I think that's great. Uh, Josh Smith wants to know where we would put Jalen Green and Cade straight out of the gate on a list. Um, I mean, very. F- I mean, 
far down the list, maybe if we're talking the whole NBA, maybe we're talking 21 or something like that, just to start with. That seems high. Yeah, it might be high. I mean, here's my my top 20, and tell me if you think that they belong you know, above or below. Steph, Dame, James Harden, Kyrie, um, Luca, that's probably like one tier. Like the order I didn't really care mm-hmm. about. Um, if you put Kyrie and Luca in the same tier, I will be offended with you for the rest of your Kyrie life. Kyrie is so good. In my life. Kyrie is so good. Kyrie, Kyrie is so good, but it doesn't belong in the same tier as the guys that you already mentioned. I think. I think I disagree. I think I think he's incredible. Okay. Uh, I'll be mad at you forever. <laughs> uh, Trey Young, Chris Paul, Drew Holiday, Mitchell, Booker, Beal, Levine, SGA. Uh, I have SGA like at like the 12, 13, 14 range um, in the whole NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, ja, Jamal Murray, Westbrook, Lowry, De'Aaron Fox, Brogdon, Fred Van Vliet. You know, Conley is in there as well. You know, Conley's probably up there a little bit further than I even said. Um, so, yeah. No, I think that, that, that is actually a very good list. Um, CJ McCollum. I mean, I would start to, like around the Brog, like the Fox, Brogdon, Fred Van Vliet. Like you can convince me that those guys are going to be in that range this season. Maybe not Jalen Green, but Cade could be. Yeah, I put Cade. I could. You could easily put Cade there. Jalen Green. Uh, I'm so interested to see how he'll look. I think that the view of him is probably inflated from summer league. Um, yeah, I think that. No, I, I mean, think the view of all the Rockets players, to be honest, is inflated from summer league. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll see that Shangun is not worth two first-round picks. Two, fr- two first-round picks is a lot. And I know, pe- I mean, trust me, I wrote this article with uh, Zach Harper that went last week where he asked me three questions and I put them on there. You can go theathletic.com slash down to dunk and read it for 50% off right now. Um, and like the comments below were just, there were, I don't know how many Shangun mentions there were, like 10 in the comments. Just unbelievable. It's like, guys, like, I, I think Shangun is going to be fun. I think he's going to be a good player, but. Two first-round picks is a lot. Is a lot to give up for a guy that hey. hasn't played in the league yet. Hey, he may be a better version of Vucevic. He could be, and we could he say, could be. and we could say, in five years, we screwed up. Yeah, but still, still, Vucevic in his prime was worth two first-round picks. If he's better than that, then we just. It's almost like missing half of a first round. Yeah. Pick. Well, the, well, the like thing that. about about which is Vooch though, like Vooch is seven feet. Yeah. You know, Shangun is not. Shangun is not capable of doing many things, which Shangun may be able to do. Maybe. Possibly. Maybe. Maybe. Oh yeah, maybe. Not. not I sure. heard the comp for Shangun being Carl Landry. I don't know. I think it's an interesting call. Because he's not it. <clears throat> Look, Shengun could be like an extremely productive player that is not embarrassing on defense. Yeah. And if he's that, then probably he's a very good pick at, at 16. I think it's a good pick at 16. That is not the I point. think it's a good pick at 16. Yeah. I would have, that's, if I were at 16, that's the pick that I would have made too. Yeah. No. I no, will. That wasn't my. I know pick. it wasn't your pick. I would. I would have done it. You, you know which one, and that that's that's why I'm mad uh, with OKC because I really think that Trey Murphy was the perfect compliment for compliment for this team. Murph would have been helpful, man. Um, He's good. He's really good. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. And but, like, can you imagine having Murphy, Shea, Giddy, Poku, and the big man? You have all the guys that are six six and above, and all capable defenders. That would be. My dream. Like, it's Toronto, but with actual shooting. Yeah. Like, hey, you have six, nine guys that can shoot the basketball. Yeah. I I understand. <sighs> I would have liked to, I would have just liked to try out Shangun as a pick and roll guy, but. Yeah. Yeah. I, 
yeah, I don't know. The Shangun stuff will all play itself out. Um, but it's just it's just so early to call it either way, you know. Oh yeah. There's just a lot of people that are oh, yeah. the outcry, the outcry of Shangun is just kind of it's I've I've hit my I hit my ceiling of annoyance with it. I'll say that. Like let's just let's just like watch it play out. If it plays out not in favor of the Thunder, it wouldn't be the first time that something they've done hasn't worked out. You know, and it doesn't mean that somebody's the worst GM or whatever. Like it's you know, it was explained that like they it hit a threshold, right? Like it hit the threshold of like this is too much. This is too much to give up for the sixteenth pick. And we and you have to take it. So Yes. Yes. I mean again. MPJ was drafted at 14. I'm not saying that OKC will draft an MPJ, but they are buying themselves the draft to be ready to draft an MPJ Mm -hmm. whenever he comes up. And remember, you were so mad about Shengun, but you were so happy about the two first-round picks that OKC packaged together to get Poco. Mm -hmm. You don't get to, to, to do it both ways. Like, you're either happy because you have two first round picks that you can play to get the guy that you want, or you can be mad because you use a first-time pick when you could have two. Mm-hmm. Just one or the other, not both. Yeah. And I think that it's so... And then and then you can... And then Poco can be bad and Shannon can be great. But the point is, you need to factor the opportunities, the likelihood that that player will reach a ceiling, what you want to build as a franchise. We don't know those players. It's it, This is a reality. Like, we don't know how they are. I mean... You guys are like you have a normal job like I do, not like Andrew who has an amazing job. Um, like you are in, a, in an office, and there are personalities. There are guys that are able to do their job as the yeah. the leader of that office commands. There are guys that are just on their own, and and you have to manage those things yeah. when you want to build something that is cohesive, that where you have to put something above like the the entire construction otherwise you are in a market that has so many better places mm-hmm. and so you have to have something special you want to build something strong something that is more than a brand something that is that players will recognize as a place where you do stuff in a certain way yeah and if you want to build that you have to be extremely careful yeah i mean the lakers they they don't possibly care you can go from Russell Westbrook to Danny Schroeder and you will have, if Russ doesn't pan out, who cares? You can move it. Yeah. They will find a way to move it, yeah. to move him. And they will just retry because they are LA and whatever. They, they can do anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, C doesn't have that luxury. And yeah. so they, they have to build stuff in a different way. Yeah. And they always did. I mean, they traded away Reggie Jackson because it didn't fit. Mm-hmm. The talent, well, the talent was there, clearly. Mm-hmm. He was a talented guy. But... At a certain point, you have you are in a very specific and special market, and you have to make decision in a certain way. Yeah. And again, give this franchise time. Yeah. They will make the best of it. Yeah. Well, and then the great bait brings up the fact that they got two quote unquote first for Shengun. Like, take a look again, man. Like, take a look again. Like, if you the 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 argument that's being put out there on Twitter and on Reddit wherever else that these are two fake firsts. Like, go look again. It's not the case. It's not true. No. These will convey at some point. So like yes. just like stop with the whole fake first thing. Like that's that is a lazy argument. That is an argument where you haven't looked at the protections. You haven't looked at how far down the road these picks have to convey. And Detroit is going to be good at some point. Like they have a really good front office. Yes. They have a good foundation of a team. They're going to be good at some point, or at least mediocre enough for that pick to convey. It's like we can stop with the whole, these are fake first. Like did they get a top 10 pick for the 16th pick? Heck no. Of course they didn't. Like they got, they got a top 10 pick for Vooch. Great. Like Vooch has been an all-star before, so like, but don't don't act like they're fake. Like that's that's a bad argument. That's always been a bad argument. All right, we gotta go. You gotta go. Thanks so much for listening to our show. Hope you guys are doing great. Hope you guys have a great Monday. Great start to your week. Uh, Alex and I will be back on Wednesday. Slam and Jam is back this week as well. So look for that. I'm I'm trying to line up. A very, very special guest. So 
Look out for that. You guys are doing well. And we'll talk to you guys again on Wednesday. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.